with chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me this week and almost every week is a man that truly believes the smoker you drink, the player you get. He is the captain. And this week, I'm barely with you. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are bound to keep on riding because we have Midnight Rider Robust Porter in the fridge from the Piedmont Brewery and Kitchen where they crank out the inspired beers and modern smokehouse favorites down in Macon, Georgia. Garage grade, four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And the road will go on forever thanks to our good friends right here. Cheers to David in San Clemente, California, who says so many douche canoes and so little time. And a big shout out to Allison in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And here's a high five to Norma in Alpharetta, Georgia. And a big we like your jib to Joe and Jackie in Walsall, UK. Next up, we have Andreas in Gothenburg, Sweden. And last but certainly not least, we have Ryan and Alyssa in New Haven, Connecticut. Everyone we just mentioned went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and donated to this week's beer fund. And for that, we thank you. And make sure you head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Can you explain to me what kind of experience that is to be up there searching for your sister? It's it's hard to put in words. Um, I definitely get some, I get a certain feeling every time I go up to the area. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to explain the feeling that I get. But I remember the first time I went up, not the first time, but one of the one of the early times I went up. And Kathleen, my older sister Kathleen and I went to the tree, uh, the ribbon tree where the Saturn was found. 
and we did it at seven thirty. We were trying to replicate the conditions, and I just kind of wanted to like put myself in the same position that she would have been. Think about what I would have done, and I like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like I'm talking to her. I'm like, Mara, okay, the car, the car, the airbags just went off. Um, the windshield's cracked. This bus driver stopped and asked me if I want the police to come. I'm freaking out. What am I going to do? Am I going to run up the road? Why, why do you? Why, why do you think she didn't just get in the bus with Butch? I and that's another question. I don't know. Like I don't know why. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she was. I think Butch came up upon her quickly before she was able to figure out a, what her plan was going to be. Right. I think she needed some time to like f- get her bearings. I mean, her windshield was cracked. She may have even hit her head. I've always wondered if you thought she would take off running. I think she, maybe. Because I, I've been friends with a, a lot of long distance runners. And when they tell you that they're going out for their daily run, they're not going out for three miles. They no. might go out for 15. And so for her or anybody with her capabilities to be able to take off in a moment's notice and, and, and go, well, uh, yeah, I didn't want that guy to help me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe if I just run up the road, I'll find a gas station or something. Yeah. And the other thing was that night was pretty cold. I I think it was 26 degrees. Um, and it was 7.30 on February, so it was dark. Right. Very dark. Um, but, I mean, is is that even a possibility? Or that she would take off uh, running, or yeah. So I've I've thought about this. I've had I've had a lot of time to think about <laughs> different things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's one of the things things I think about often. And I I try to put myself in her shoes back then. So that area, Tamara, in two thousand four, was not this sketchy, shady area. She loved that area. When we went up there camping twice a year, we never ran into sex offenders. We never ran into people that were trying to hurt us or kidnap us. Everything was positive. So she's up in this area and she's got these mountains and it's snow and just, she was in a, you know, a, a good space. Um, or may, I think she was in a good space. She just right. wanted to clear ahead and, um, get this reinstatement fee taken care of or whatever the reason is. And so she wasn't, I don't think she was afraid she was pretty fearless actually. And so I think she could have said, you know what? I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to run down the street and figure this out. So it's possible that she could have thought that she could have done that. Do you believe she was drinking and driving? Again, I don't know. Maybe. Um, Is that something that she did before that you knew about? I mean, I don't, I mean, we're talking about a 21 year old. So of course I know that she drank. Um, I don't think she would have been that reckless to try to, to get hammered and drive that road. So I don't think she was hammered, but did she have anything to drink? Maybe. Was she drunk? I don't know. Right. So we know she stopped at the ATM and we know that she bought booze, right? 
Yes. What booze do we know that she bought? Because that's where it gets very complex to me. So she's telling her teachers in school, hey, I'm going to be gone. It's not even certain that she's saying she's going to be gone for a week, right? She's just saying, I'm going to be gone. There's a family emergency. And then so she goes to the ATM. Well, the ATM kind of makes some sense because back in the day, you couldn't pay a lot of those tickets online. And if you, most of the time um, at DMVs or BMVs, you had to pay in cash. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But the um, buying the booze, like a, a decent amount of booze doesn't make a lot of sense to me because even if she's just spending one day there, you know, I'm going to spend one day there. I'm going to pay my ticket. Then I'm going to go to my father's house. Was your father the kind of person that you could show up with bottles of booze and be like, Hey dad, I got bottles of booze. Let's have a party. You know? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, my dad, he wouldn't have cared, but that it was my mom's house. So my parents were divorced. So, um, I keep but calling my mom it your dad's would, house, but yeah. Yeah, I know. No, that's no problem. Um, but my my mom, nobody in my family would have been like, would have been upset that she had booze. Um, no. Um, but what I can say is what was what was left in in the car. So we we do know that she went to the liquor store um, in around UMass. And we, the police have a a receipt of what she purchased. Um, And then I do know what was left in the vehicle. Um, And so there was a box of Franzia wine that was opened um, in the back seat uh, behind the driver's seat. There was a 12 pack of sky blue wine coolers. Um, And then this is where people get, people have gotten this wrong for 16 years, but people said she bought, um, Bailey's, which is partially true. She didn't buy Bailey's, but she only bought one of those little nips. Right. Um, those little $2, $1 nips of Bailey. Um, so she didn't have a full bottle of, of Bailey's. So without saying too much, that's what was left in the car. So is there other things that were left in the car that you think are helping law enforcement and the family with the investigation? Yes, and there was other things not left in the car. Right, so items, items possibly from the booze list that weren't found in the car. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. What what does the booze mean to you? Uh, it means that um, mudslides were her favorite drink of choice, or no. Um, Black Russians. White Russians. Is it white Russians? This is a drinking show. <laughs> this is a drinking show. All Julie. I know is it's not good for CrossFit. It's too much sugar <laughs> and it's going to affect my friend time. So I can't have it. <laughs> this is why you have a clean room. Um, no, but what I mean by it is I'm going anybody. Why would you buy a certain level of booze. Yeah. So what I'll, what I will say is that she did some of the booze that was left in the car was purchased previously. So it's just booze that she had. Yeah. So just like 
extra booze. <laughs> and when you don't have a lot of money and you're a college kid and you've got some extra booze and you're trying to go on this trip, why buy more? Just just use up the what you got. A- any thought in your head that she was with somebody? Uh, I'd, I'd be very upset if she was and that person hasn't said anything, not a single word to anybody in 16 years. Yeah, because when, when I've showed um, or broke down some of the, again, not a lot of the speculation from what happened before the wreck or speculation after the wreck, but just this is what we know from the actual crash site. And then you have a neighbor calling in 911 and they have reported about this man smoking, which people have come up with different speculations that it was a light on her cell phone. But every investigator that I've brought that up to has said, well, I want to know who was smoking by the car. And I said, well, I think most people have looked into that and they've come up with explanations. But just because some people on the Internet came up with some explanations doesn't mean that there wasn't a guy smoking by that car that night. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's actually one of the few pieces of actual evidence that we have, because in the dispatch log, it says man smoking a cigarette. Right. In the dispatch log. Yeah. And so, and, and so then we pe- can come up. Go ahead. I was going to say then people then state, well, that she kind of changes her, her story later. And I go, well, isn't the most accurate story the one that she told and what they wrote down immediately? You'd th- that'd be logical. You'd think so. I mean, we don't have much evidence in this case. We don't have, uh, we're not privy to much, much evidence. Uh, but that is one thing that's in black and white. That So I say, you know, I say I don't think she was with somebody for the entire trip. Um, but maybe when the accident happened, somebody showed up smoking a cigarette. Yeah, somebody could have got out of their car. Somebody could have parked their car for a second, got out, walked up, smoking a cigarette. I mean, there's multiple podcasts just about your sister. There's books been written about your sister. What's your initial thought when that stuff is happening? Well, my initial thought is I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that that my sister has the amount of attention that she does have. I'm thrilled and I'm, I know that not every missing person case gets the attention that Mara has gotten. Where Where I start to become less thrilled is when the motivation behind some of these people kind of takes a turn for more towards the selfish side. Um, and away from actually trying to find Mara. Listen, I will talk to anyone. I will help anyone. I will answer any questions if it will help find Mara. But to entertain some of the ridiculous theories based on no evidence whatsoever, uh, to crucify my poor dad, um, to just drag people through the mud because they may have once looked at Mara you know, in a random room one one time, it's just not right. So then there's been a, some allegations against Bill, Bill Roush, which was Mara's boyfriend. There's been some accusations against him, and he is going to be facing a trial. And it seems like his life went in 
maybe not such a great direction after the disappearance of your sister? Has that stuff changed your opinion on how he should have been looked at? Well, uh, what I'll say is my opinion of Bill has never changed um, from when I first met him. I, I stated that opinion. Um, most people know that that's my opinion. Um, but that, that opinion was based on his actions when he was um, a young 20, 21, 22, however, however old he was. Right. Um, do I think he physically harmed Mara? No, because I don't have any evidence of that. I She never once said, hey, Bill is abusive towards me. Um, and I've even told Bill this directly, uh, that if if I thought that he had hurt Mara, I, I would, I you know, I just, I said I would have hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met you, and, and I know that you could probably hurt Bill. <laughs> yeah, and I'm probably going to get crucified for that. But, I mean, I just, I... And and Bill knows Bill knows me. I've known Bill for twenty years. Um, I I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I don't know how to interpret charge sheets or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't want to speak about the the mistress or the affair, the current uh, situations. Um, but what I will say is that. I'm, I don't consider anyone cleared and I, I encourage and, and want people to look at everyone. Look at me, mm-hmm. look at, I mean, no one's, no one's cleared, uh, until we find more. I've always thought Bill should be looked at pretty hard. I mean, come on, it's the husband, the boyfriend always did it, but it's hard to put him in. New Hampshire. Impossible. Impossible. He was look at his phone records. He was he was in Oklahoma. He was in the army. You can't just you can't just go where you want to go. Could he have could he have been off post in Oklahoma? Yeah, of course, certainly. Mm-hmm. But could he have been in New Hampshire? There's no way. Right. So then it, it just leads to this idea that that possibly Wherever she was going, uh, he, he met up with her later. It's been the new speculation. Yeah, well, that that's hard for me to believe because I actually know what happened when he was there. and Right during the searches. He was with my dad, and my dad gave him specific directions. Hey, I'm going to go meet with law enforcement, or I'm going to go search this area. I, I need you and... and your dad, Bill's dad, Bill Sr., mm-hmm. um, to go check out this bus stop or gas stop station in Maine because my dad couldn't be going to Maine and Vermont and almost up to the Canadian border because he had to be there um, to talk to people that may need to identify something of hers or right. um, he just needed to be there. Um, so he would send Bill on these missions to go check out different things, pass out flyers. But to my knowledge, I mean, Bill was with someone. He he flew in. He didn't even have a car. Yeah, well, and not just with somebody who's normally with his parents. But I do like what you said. I, I, I think until she is found, everybody should be looked at. 
you know, simple as that. And if they have nothing to uh, hide and people actually do the work, base those theories off of actual evidence, then then everybody can be looked at again and and everybody should welcome that as well. Because it seems like we have a seven-minute window from the time she crashed to the time that police showed up and and we have a girl gone. It's it's pretty hard to wrap your head around that and, and the fact that nobody, everyone looked away. I mean, there was plenty of neighbors around and everyone looked away at the exact time that Mara disappeared off the face of the planet. Um, but I mean, as far as, as far as Bill's concerned and, and theories are concerned, um, I want to just touch on this notion that I have a narrative to, um, push. And I, I always wonder about that because what would my narrative be? Uh What, what narrative would I possibly push? Like, Am I protecting someone that I think hurt or harmed or has my sister? Right. Is that my narrative? Well, you're still mad about being the ball girl. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you had to go back I'm to sorry. that. I'm sorry. You know, just when you think we're going to be serious, <laughs> I got to throw. No, but it's, yeah. it's serious. But that's that's truthful. And I, I think, like you were saying, calling out certain people for having motives for why they're talking about your sister's disappearance, why they possibly wrote about your sister's disappearance. And, and then for people to accuse you of having some motive. Yeah. And like, like I said, like I'll, I want, I want this. I want people to talk about Mara. I want people to write about Mara. I want to be on podcasts. I want her name to be on I want it to be on every major news network right now and just put a picture up there and be like, Mara Murray missing. Of course I want that. That would help, hopefully help someone remember something or remember seeing her or something. It's when you're, you're just wildly speculating to make a good story. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. 
Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
Yeah, so you you want people talking about your sister. You want people talking about her disappearance. And pretty early on, you guys were contacted um, by an author that was interested in writing about your sister and her disappearance, which something like that could really create conversation and get people talking and, and really be a, um, a good tool to utilize and searching for your sister. Yeah. And, and initially, initially we were, and we were intrigued and we're like, wow, this, this, this could be, this could be huge. Um, but also part of me was thinking, well, the story's not over. Um, so it's, it's going to be half a book unless in writing the book, we can find, we can find some evidence or find actually find Mara. And so that was ho- that was hopeful for us, and we go through these ups and downs of just clinging on to some something to to keep us going. Right. Um, but when we we started looking into it, and we we didn't just say, "Oh yeah, let's let's do this." We we actually do some research, um, and we researched um, the individual and found out that some of the previous. Um, I'll say projects he was a part of the family. One particular family didn't have the greatest things to say. Did your family reach out to their family and say, Hey, we were contacted by this individual. And Um, I believe, I think it may have been Helena. Helena was, is my dad's cousin. Um, She passed away, unfortunately, um, but she was instrumental at the beginning of keeping the case going um, I believe she was the one that was initially contacted. I could be wrong on that, um, but she did most of the legwork on it and was a little skeptical. And that's kind of where it kind of opened our eyes to to look at who are these people coming out of the woodwork. Like I don't know, I I don't know this person at all. Even if that little speculation just becomes, hey, well, maybe not right now. That doesn't yeah. mean n- not ever, but maybe not right now. Yeah. But it seems like some of these people then also got offended. Yeah. And then that became, that became, that became a story. There's a storyline right there. Oh man, the family doesn't want a book. Like, no, (laughs) we do. We want all the publicity we can get. Like, did you see my dad screaming at the steps of the courthouse, New Hampshire for the FBI? Like that's not what, what a dad who's hiding things does. It's just, no. Yeah. You don't, you don't scream at law enforcement enforcement if you're trying to hide something um right so it was you know it was just us saying okay we we want this but this may not be the particular approach that we want to go with or the particular um person i don't know if we didn't know the person and we didn't know if the same thing was going to happen to us as what had happened to other people that had interactions with the person i mean it has to be so odd on some level though that your sister goes missing and you're very close with her. And it's, I mean, you can look up all these lists and it's always on these lists of either most mysterious disappearance or internet crazed cases that has to be odd on some level. It's very odd, especially, especially for me. Because I am, I'm pretty much as introverted as you can get and awkward. And I don't like this spotlight. I don't, I'm 
not the most articulate person. I'm not the worst, but I'm I'm not, definitely not the best. And and you're not the best at free throws. And and I and I'm a ball girl, and I'm just yeah. It's it's not what I want, but I've realized that I have to do this. And it's hard for me. It is it is hard for me um, to force myself to do some some of these things that I normally would would not do. I mean, yes, I was in the military. Yes, I was a an officer in the army and I had to do these things, but it was structured and I had a reason and, you know, I had training and most of the things that happen, it's learn as you go. There's no guidebook. Um, nothing can prepare you for this. I'm still learning. Um, right. and it's, it's not easy. How, how often do you feel like, cause we met at crime con and, and it was like all weekend. Oh, you got to meet Julie. You got to meet Julie. And I kept on thinking like you were like the Wizard of Oz or something. Like, you know, <laughs> like when is she going to appear? Um, <laughs> and then you appear. And of course, I'm like, oh, great. She's a, she's a stoic. So I, I get real awkward around stoics. I talk more. Uh, so anytime I, I meet uh, uh, somebody that talks less than me, then I, it's just off to the races. And, but but I was thinking, um, cause like a couple people, I said, yeah, well, I'm hoping to meet meet Julie here, and um, talk to her about her sister, and people kept on asking me what I was going to say, and I thought that was strange because I was like, I'm not meeting her at a funeral or a wake, but I've also seen family members that are trying to get their cases heard by people and get the spotlight on those cases. Um, where I've heard people talk to them as if it's like a funeral. Does, it, does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I'm just a regular person. I mean, I, well, clearly you're not, you, uh, well, you I do mean- CrossFit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I have my little, my little quirks, but, I mean, um, I wish people would would just come up to me and talk about about normal stuff. And you know, this is not new to me. So, a lot of times when people first find out about it, because um, there are a few people left that don't that have never heard of Mar Murray. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to change that. Uh, but for people that that just hear about the case, yeah, you're right. They come up to me and they they they're like, I feel so sorry for you. And it's like, I've lived this. This is my life for 16 years. Like, yeah. um, it's not new for me. Um, and I, and I appreciate them cause I know it's hard for them too. Like they don't know what to say. Um, but I want people to know. And if you, you know, you see me walking around at crime con or whatever, and you have a question about, you know, the, the, London Dairy ping or the red truck or all the different crazy, um, things we have going on in this case. Just, just ask me about that, and I love that. I love, and I love to talk about Mara. Yeah. But I mean, does some sometimes does it just hit you in a different way? I mean, like when they showed you the ATM footage of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like um, after the oxygen show, I had to go on to Doctor Oz. Um, not I, I didn't have to. I was fortunate enough that he was going to cover the case and I was thrilled to do it. And 
I was scared to death to do it. And, you know, here I am like this tough person and I just lost it. Like I normally keep it together, but I couldn't Mm. like, I just lost it. And I'm like, I was embarrassed, but I'm like, no, I'm not embarrassed. It's like, it's just, it was real. And you can, you can see it's real. And I let kind of let that stoicism go for like a minute. And then you'll see me like get, get it back together. And yeah, so there are definitely times where things hit me. Like what hits me the most is when I am with my dad and I see him um, talk about Mara or like I see his reaction to things. That's the hardest for me. Um, And a a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, all the time um, people forget that my mom lived through this as well and and she passed away um to cancer and um you know she was fighting her own battle with the cancer treatments while her daughter is missing and she wasn't able to go up there and be as present um as obviously she would have liked uh and so it was very hard for me to see my mom go through that and eventually pass away without ever knowing what happened to her daughter. Yeah, my my parents had a not a good divorce, right? But if but yeah. if something like this happened, I think they would want to be able to support each other. It, so yeah. I feel like that she probably not only about not being able to search, search but probably seeing the effect that it had on your father because like we, you know, we've been covering cases for four or five years, and that's the stuff that gets me all the time. Is like, there to me, there's a, there is evidence out there too, and just the way, the way in which people say things, and there's been videos of your father that have just, just crushed me, you know, and to think I, I don't even know, I don't even know what's like, like how that would feel to be him um and just not have answers and not only that but it just doesn't feel like in this case um it's almost like they they viewed your father in a negative way because he was wouldn't shut up about it and it doesn't seem like they've been that um cooperative I don't know if that's the correct terms to use. Um, but it seems like almost like initially law enforcement was putting up barriers. And I don't know if that has changed since the the documentary came out. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I did have a couple um, sit downs with Chuck West, who is from the cold case unit, the lead detective. Um, and he, like I said before, he has shared some information with me. Um, but if my dad would have just accepted, accepted whatever law enforcement said or accepted their, you know, the results of their searches and never went up every weekend by himself, then this case would, would, I wouldn't be on here with you. I mean, this is all, this is because of my dad that we're still talking about, um, a missing girl 16 years later. Is there anything new that has come out that? anybody should know about there. I can tell you there are, there is a lot happening um, behind. But you can't tell me any of it. Can you? (laughs) 
Well, no, I can, I mean, I can, t- <laughs> no, I'm not, uh, I'm, I don't need to. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of it, they might have asked you to not share with other people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, people think the case is dead and, you know, the online community feels a certain way. I appreciate the online community, but the actual case is, is moving and there's things happening and there's people that are a part. So, so much a part of this case that have no presence on social media that you would fall over um, to know that how hard some people are working behind the scenes and they're, you don't even know their names um, because that's because they're in it to find Mara. Um, Not to say that people that who you do know their names aren't, um, but there, there is a small group that just wants no attention and just wants to help solve this case. Um, So I say that to, to say that, um, Things are happening all the time. I spend hours on this every day, responding to emails, um, talking to people. I call my dad every single day, um, and we talk about the weather, and then we talk about his flowers, and then we talk about Mara every yeah. single day. Um, there are some things that that I'm not able to talk about right now, but I will be able to talk about in the future. Um, but it's definitely things that are giving us hope but but anything new that you can share well um one of the new things is uh in the previous searches that we did with the gofundme money that was raised by um after the i forget which crime con it was but maggie tim and lance put together a gofundme um, and initially I said, I don't want to be the financial custodian of any of that type of things. Cause I don't want people to say the Murrays are going on Disney vacations with, yeah. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. I mean, you know how the internet is. Um, so we use that money to do several different searches of several different properties. Um, many of which Tim and Lance and other people have talked about on their podcast. So I'm talking about ground penetrating radar. I'm talking about cadaver dog searches, things like that. Um, but we weren't able to do were um, testing of of those samples that we collected. So I just recently pushed a another um, GoFundMe out there, and I'll send this to you. Um, and that is to get those samples tested. Yeah, so we we've got plenty of samples. Now we just needed to take it to the next phase, which is testing. And we actually found um, a location that w- is going to do some of this testing for us at a fraction of the cost. Um, and that's kind of the the catalyst behind the new GoFundMe. The other thing is, people ask me all the time, "What can I do? What can I do?" And I always tell them, "Well, just talk about Mara and." which people are doing. And, and I appreciate that, but there are some people that, you know, maybe are in a different part of the country or even the world. Right. I mean, this case is huge. Um, and so it gives them an opportunity to feel like they're contributing um, in even a small way. Yeah. So if you guys would like to donate, we'll put a link on our social media, on our Twitter and Facebook at True Crime Garage. And a lot of times in these cases, you know, there are people that are wonderful and they come forward and they want to offer their services or their time to help out the family. But a lot of times these families need things that can only be covered with funds, with actual paper money. And that is things like travel costs, 
whether it be that they need to get experts involved. There's a million different reasons why that would be important. So anything that you can do to help would be especially wonderful in this case. It's been 16 years now. We're looking for answers. Yeah, and we were able to donate 500 bucks from the show, from the beer fund, uh, because of all you filthy animals. So what are your thoughts uh, after hearing the interview with Julie? Yeah, so obviously this is, people People don't know how we kind of did this. Uh, some people know that I was gone for a while and covering some cases in Florida, and we've been quite busy. And you were able to sit down with Julie, and she's, first of all, thank you to her. Yeah. There are a lot of people that like would like to speak with her, and thank you for choosing our show to be one of the shows that you come on to, to help clear up some of the things, misconceptions, and also really just to provide more of the story of who her sister was, is, and what was going on in her world at this time leading up to her disappearance. Because with this case, there are so many questions about what would have been Mara's motives, even if they were totally innocent right. about what she was doing at the time when she went missing. I mean, you you could cut this case a hundred different ways and there's speculation and there are things that you could suggest point to your theory or point to what you think happened here. I found some of the things that she said to be interesting. I, I don't know that it cleared up a lot of the questions that I have in this case. And I don't know that Julie would be able to do that. Just they're, they're living different lives. They're, right. they're, they're not walking hand in hand through this world together at this time in Mara's life. The question always will be, why was she in that area? And why did she go there? Now, obviously that might not have been her, destination but that's where she ended up for whatever reason where was she going i think that the the thing that she pointed out in the interview and this is something that you told me about a while ago and i don't know when it became public knowledge about this reinstatement fee for her driver's license i like that theory i like it for several reasons it sounds like it, it's it's a plausible theory it's a logical theory and it's also, it sounds like Julie is providing us with information that would require Mara to need to actually have the, the use of a driver's license at that time. I mean, anybody who lives on a college campus, you lose your driver's license. You don't got the money to reinstate it. You don't got the ability to do so. You don't want to ask dad for help. I get it. You, you can just figure out a way to get around on that college campus. It sounds to me like there was an absolute need for her to have this driver's license. But then I run into the some of the simple questions that come along with that theory. One, where did she lose the license from or where was it being threatened to be taken away from? Why is this just coming out recently? You know, that that's the type of thing that there's a paper trail. And and I, I'm a little confused on the details. None of you know. I don't have any of the details from from our inver interview or from the the conversation that was had regarding that that portion or, or or the theory itself. Yeah, and to break it down, this ticket theory simply is that she got the ticket on vacation, 
She had to appear in court within 30 days. She did so. There was Because she was speeding, it was a 99 and a 65. That, that's not good, Bob. That's not good, Bob. And why are you... Uh, this is a girl that's not good with cars. They revoke her license. Mm-hmm. She is going to have to pay a reinstatement fee. It's believed that she would have to pay this reinstatement fee because not every BNV will actually do reinstatement fees. So your county might have multiple BNVs, but maybe only one location where you can pay that fee. It seems like she would have had to pay that fee in Concord. As I like this theory, and and I do believe people should spend more time on this theory because there is some logic to it. You pointed out something that I, I find very interesting. Well, I we were talking, and you were filling me in on the details about this reinstatement fee. And look, this is very plausible. I'm not challenging anything that Julie says. I I like her. I've met her too, and I'm thankful that she sat down and spoke with you. Um, I'm also not really challenging. I'm I'm a guy that Captain. You know that this this is pretty rare for me, but I don't really have a theory, uh, one that I'm married to in this case. Mm-hmm. As far as Mars case goes, I think that there's some unanswered questions. There's too many loose ends here, but I love these ideas. If we can come up with some information that will, will kind of clue us in and lead us down a different road or to the answers to clear some of these things up, that's great. That's where we need to go as far as podcast, internet sleuthing, all that jazz goes, right? Well, and, and to be clear, Julie says this is a, possible reason that she's up there again right this this would put her about an hour and a half north of where she would have had to pay the ticket so i believe the theory is that she was going to go up to an area which she was familiar with spend the night because obviously after five o'clock normally a lot of these bmvs close so go drive a little past maybe get some booze maybe stay up there for the night come back down in the morning, pay the ticket, and then go back to your mother's house. Look, and I don't want to misquote somebody else's theory. That's just what I'm speculating, but it's very strange to me that should be an hour and a half uh, uh, north of of the location of where she had to pay the reinstatement fee, especially with not having much money as a college student. But Again, a lot more to dive into with this case. Right, and that's what we were kind of talking about off-air just a second ago was that she's she's much further north and not far enough east of where she needs to be if, in fact, that was her destination. Right. And I get, look, a lot of people are going to point out, well, she's traveling at night. You can't go pay these fees in the middle of the night. I don't think anybody's disputing that. She very well could have intended to make the drive and then take care of business the following day she's already told what we do know is she's already told people she's going to be gone for some days right so she very well could have gone to take care of this during the daylight hours the next day and then made her way back it's it's very curious to me though that she's so much further north than she needs to be and if you were going to make that Look, if if that was her intention, this is a business trip. This is for her future. This is part of her future. If she goes and purchases a new car, to get registered on that car, she's going to need to have a valid driver's license. Right. And if she thinks or is being told that her license has been revoked, 
you don't have a valid driver's license. I also can't recall off the top of my head what years, and I know it varies by state, when you need to go and apply for your license again or renew your license. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's only a handful of months, a couple of months away from a, another birth date. So there could be a multitude of reasons why she's worried about her driver's license that may have been revoked. The problem is she's an hour, hour and a half north an hour and a half north of where she needs to be to reinstate that license. The other thing that's curious to me too is the believed phone calls that she made prior to leaving or internet searches she made prior to leaving were all for places in Vermont. And the quickest route to where her car crashed and from UMass of Amherst would be up Route 91. And that right. kind of that kind of trails right along the the Vermont New Hampshire border. There's a big part of me that wonders if Vermont was actually the definite the destination, regardless of how close it was to the state line. I also find something curious here too. If she was going to make this a leisurely business trip, why does nobody else know about it? And I, and I get why Fred doesn't know about it. Okay, you're trying to get a car. You're you are daddy's girl. You're not. You're not doing anything wrong, but he doesn't need to know everything. You are an adult and he might be helping you get this car. Maybe you don't want to give him one more reason to not assist you getting this car. I get that. Where where I'm going with this is to me, she's buying enough alcohol for a party for more than one person, for more than just herself. Mm-hmm. If that if if we can all get on board with that, who is that other person? Where are these other people? And I also get the situation that you said, maybe she's going to go get this reinstated the next day and then make it over to her mother's house and stay there for a night or visit with mom for a little bit and then make her way back to college. Again, where is that communication with mom? Maybe she was going to make that at a later time, but it, well, it, yeah, what I'm that pointing was out here is considered to be, you know, her home, you yeah. know, where it's like I drop in on my parents' houses all the time. I'm not calling them. If right. I'm in the neighborhood, I drop by. I'm not calling them. Right. Uh, that's still my home. So maybe not. Yeah. But again, why contact your mom and say, well, I got to go pay this ticket. What car are you driving? The Saturn. Ah, I wouldn't do that. Um, and you just think you can make it again. My big question becomes like you, you were saying, it's not only did you go buy booze, but we know we have evidence that there's booze from, the prior weekend that she bought. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's old booze plus new booze. That's seems like a lot of booze. Um, that, that's the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And again, I still go back to this uh, smoker by the car, which a lot of people are going to be dismissive of. Uh, but also I think one of the things that I, I really want to put out, you know, a big, um, why can't we all get along argument right now is there's a lot of people in this case that are, that have worked hard and spot spent a lot of time investigating it. And it seems lately they spend more time attacking each other. We might not agree on ideas. We might not agree always on theory theories. And, and me and you don't agree a lot of times with cases, but we still try to show each other a level of respect and there's sometimes that your thoughts have altered my thoughts and to be open to that. And 
I don't think people understand the harm that it does because by putting out these false accusations against people or just constantly trying to tear each other down, it makes it turns people away from the case itself and from the fact that there is a girl that's missing and that the family, because I've talked to Julie, I, I got to talk to her another two hours and we wish we could have shared that information, but it's information that's really close with law enforcement and they don't want that information out there because it's serious leads that they're following and serious people that they have under a magnifying glass. And they don't want to them to know that they're under a magnifying glass. And when they need these experts to come in, they don't want these experts looking on the internet and seeing this case as a joke because it's not a joke. A family is missing their daughter and the family is missing their sister and friends are missing their loved one. And so this childish actions between people I wish would stop because you're making a joke, like I said, of a, of a very serious case. Well, thank you to you, Captain, for conducting the interview. A hundred thank yous to Julie for doing the interview. And we want to wish the Murray family the best of luck in their continued search for Mara. For old episodes of True Crime Garage, check us out exclusively on the Stitcher app. And we have a bonus show called Off the Record. You need to check that out as well. Find out more information at truecrimegarage.com. Also on truecrimegarage.com, check out our recommended page where we have recommended books, documentaries, all kinds of stuff for you to check out. This week, we are recommending to you a fantastic book called Memoir of a Milk Carton Kid. This is the Tanya Nicole Catch story. So check that out. You don't have to write that title down now. Just go to our website, check out the recommended page. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to True Crime Garage this week. Join us back here next week in the garage. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.